0: Welcome to Cynical Talk. This is a weekly roundup between your co-hosts, myself, Thomas Brancaso, and myself, George Shaft, where we will be exploring a variety of topics loosely related to MI Cynic, and just seeing what happens, it's going to be a more laid-back approach to the MI Cynic Standard episodes, and it is a chance for me and George to sound off a little bit more on our own hot takes on our own opinions and the beauty of conversation.
1: Hello, and welcome to MI Cynic. My name is George Shaft, and I'm joined by our beloved holy founder, Thomas Brancato.
0: Hello, George. It's great to be here.
1: So today on MI Cynic, to cut straight to the chase, we're going to be following up on a bit of a story that's... Been broiling for a long time, but with each passing day seems to be getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And that is not unfortunate climate, but the legal problems, the legal battles of Donald Trump. So, from, from a little while ago, uh, from the time of recording, Donald Trump's legal affairs have taken a much greater proportion. Than they did before because the FBI searched his residency in Mar a Lago, Florida, and came out with 15 boxes worth of documents, materials that were various forms of classified. As of time of recording, just two days ago, the FBI escalated further, if you will, by releasing an affidavit, basically the document saying, you know, why we are searching this, what is the legal probable cause for us to search this property? Heavily redacted, but essentially saying, we believed that Donald Trump was hosting a great number of top secret uh, documents in his residency, which he was not allowed to do. And further then expressed the fact that they have in fact found that thing, including 25 Documents marked as top secret, which is the highest level of classification that exists within the U.S. government. If this, if this is all true, if it's all proven, and proven to be held for some kind of malicious intent or for purposes of profit, former President Donald Trump could see himself being charged with espionage-related crimes, which carry serious uh, prison sentences.
0: Yeah, I was just going to add as well that some of the security that that entails, the procedures, is that these documents are really only handed out to individuals you can name with one hand. Uh, the president, of course, being one of them, I assume, the vice president, and then very few people outside of that. Super, super in a circle, to the extent that either the documents have to be immediately handed back or destroyed in some cases, because they are so politically sensitive. And of course, they represent uh, the highest extent often of what the intelligence community is able to provide. So these are incredibly sensitive documents that maybe there's only one copy of in the world in, the, in, a, in that written format. And they're somehow in Mar-a-Lago and Flora, aren't they, George?
1: I mean, the, the somehow part is in some ways almost the the least surprising part, because Donald Trump used to be the president of the United States, he would have been one of those people that could access a top secret document. So you could almost you know, think, yeah, one of the few people on earth who could actually have one of these documents. But as I said, that's almost the least interesting question of all. Questions such as, why did he bring it to his, his residency? What was he planning on doing with them? How did nobody notice before that the former president held on to 25 top secret documents alongside dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, documents of lesser levels of confidentiality? Was it having an impact?
0: Quite an assortment of documents. that, uh, And of course, I mean, it really gives rise to so many questions and possibly conspiracy theories about why this specific selection of secret documents? What was he plotting, planning? Was it a personal kind of memorabilia souvenir? Or was there something more sinister behind it? You know, how much of this has to do with. There's different ways you can look at it. You can think, well, a president that never understood the boundaries of checks and balances in believing that these were his personal effects and personal items and that he had some kind of right, a popular right, if you will, to simply take those documents home and cherish them. Or perhaps there's something more sinister. He's plotting his return to Washington one day, or he still feels like he pulls the strings even without being president, because he may feel as if he never lost that election legitimately, right? So what what do you think? I mean, what is the why question there? Why take these documents? Why keep them? Why these specific documents?
1: So the idea of him thinking that he's still the president and therefore has the right to have them would be something that would match Donald Trump's public statements. He never personally accepted the idea that he lost the 2020 presidential election. And every once in a while, he puts out Personal statement that he signs off as, you know, calls himself President of the United States. He challenged the results in court and even went so far as to you know, tacitly support. I, I say tacitly uh, because, you know, that's the, uh, to kind of cover my basis here, I would rather just say support an attempt at a coup of the U.S. government in, on the 6th of January 2021. So from that point of view, it's absolutely something that, that follows, that tracks. But we don't quite know. And there is definitely the scope for, honestly, a few more sinister explanations. There's rumors circulating around that part of the reason why this investigation you know, was started and looked into was because secret agents were being caught at a higher rate than normal over the past couple of months. The speculation being that Donald Trump might have sold some documents to a rival. Now, obviously, none of this is confirmed. All of this could just be internet rumors. But if it is true, then one that's extremely serious and obviously an act that. Could border on traitorous, but then two, it also explains another one of, or provides provides a little outway towards another one of questions around Donald Trump, which is of course his personal finances. It's not hard to see how a man in personal financial difficulties, with that kind of access, might and no moral compass might decide, yeah take some secret documents and sell them to whoever wants them. You know, I could get a lot of money for a document that's you know, labelled top secret. Obviously, that is the least charitable explanation and the, the most openly malicious and evil one. Right. But it's within the scope of possibility.
0: And it wouldn't necessarily be contrary to what we've already seen from former President uh, Donald Trump. I mean, this is somebody who not only openly doubted the legitimacy of the last election, which consequently took him out of power, but somebody that's never quite been fond of the rules as they are. I mean, his whole election platform really was was based, or a large part of it was based on swamp the drain. And I think his of base is very much uh, rallied by this this sensation that things are not fair and therefore not legitimate not valid and it's it's fine to to mend the rules and to and to take one where you can and so it's it's really a powder keg this because not only are you right to point out there could it could be an insurrection a type of treason high treason of selling these documents off I think the best of cases, we're just looking for financial gain, as you've you've mentioned. A more sinister yet uh, alternative could be that Donald Trump is, is using key documents, key state secrets in order to boost his chances of success for the next election, to win over critical and crucial senators and such. And so, and that leads to, it's obvious, the implications of that, the threats to democracy, which of course, Donald Trump is not a stranger of. I mean, he has been accused of being an enemy of democracy from, from before his first day in office. Um, but what do, you, what do you see George as the, I mean, has this distanced uh, Donald Trump from his uh, you know, previously sizable support base, which shrugged off every, every kind of uh, play uh, card in the book that we thought would normally shrug off those, uh, or has it rallied them? How, how do you think he stands as a, as a result of this, and especially in light to the next elections?
1: Not that much change uh, from what I can tell. Uh, You look at the sort of the spaces of, you know, R slash the Donald, and they think it's yet another one of those, you know, cases of their man being pursued for, you know, being their man and, you know, sticking it to the the system, whatever. Publicly, Donald Trump still enjoys support. Just yesterday from time of recording, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, in fact, went on television and said that if Donald Trump was arrested you know, over this, you know, if he was prosecuted uh, for mishandling classified information, he said there will be riots. Uh, and then Donald Trump retweeted the clip. So it's evidently from at least the, you know, the narrow support base, the, the core believers, they've not changed whatsoever with this. They just see it as yet another, uh, you know, attack on their man. Yet
0: desperate, wouldn't you say, George, about using almost it's a fear tactic, saying, well, you know, don't arrest me, because otherwise there'll be riots. And it seems like it's already a long streak of Donald Trump and his campaign team always seem to be responding as recovery shots, Right. So, for example, in squash, you you shoot a normal ball, and then the other player, who might not be so advantaged or have an awkward position, you shoot a recovery shot. And sometimes you can eke out a victory just doing those recovery shots if you're lucky. But it seems to me Donald Trump is one of these incredible, um, and you know I don't say incredible in a positive way, not at all, but incredible in the story in the sense that his story. It's just a continual streak of recovery shot, recovery shots. somehow politically surviving, even through the most absurd and unsurvivable uh, comments uh, that, that he has made. And this seems to be, to be another brick in the wall of, of his insane story uh, of mending every rule out there and somehow still retaining this massive supporter base. Do you think he's likely to come out of this uh, alive, if not stronger?
1: Potentially, uh, Donald Trump had been falling a bit out of the limelight as of recent years, as is normal for someone who is no longer the president of the United States. But what we're talking about him now, he's back in the limelight, reminds people that he exists and that he very much is intent on running again for president come 2024. As for the recovery shots, that's been his life for a long time. That was basically the story of his presidency. Even now, after the presidency, this is not the only legal case that is, you know, or the only investigation that he is under. He is also, don't forget, being investigated in Georgia over his over, you know, allegations of illegal attempts to overturn the state's election results in 2020. He's under investigation in New York for over allegations of financial fraud, uh, focusing more on his businesses. Then, of course, there's the January 6th investigations being done by Congress itself, which very clearly involves him in some way. So, yeah, he is doing a lot of recovery shots and he's doing them seemingly well enough to have his supporters still latch on and like him.
0: So all of this brings us to the key question here, whether Donald Trump is going to run for the next election, which seems in- increasingly likely, but I'd like to hear your 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 thoughts on that. And of course, when that election comes around, whether this litany, this mountain of insane and absurd criminal behavior is eventually going to catch up to him.
1: Well, if he, if it catches up to him to the extent that he goes to court and gets sent to prison, then clearly he's not going to be able to run for president again. But if it doesn't, and if after years of all these investigations, all of these uh, searches, even into his own home at Mar-a-Lago, then I think there's every chance that he'll try and run for president and have a chance at succeeding. He'll come on saying, yes, I used to be the president, I was the greatest president, you know, in his, I can't do the Donald Trump impression, most people can, but I can't. He'll go and do that, and well, it worked the first time around, what? and a hell of a lot of people liked, liked it. The sec- are probably going to like it the second time round too.
0: Well, I think one of the things that he might have going for him, but we'll discuss this, as I'm sure, later on down the line with MI Cynic, as we, we hear the results of the midterm elections and analyse those, but one of the things that I can preemptively say that I think might work to his advantage is the fact that Joe Biden, the current U.S. president, for better or worse, has sort of remained um, in the backseat, I think, at least where the media is concerned. And and that might have to do with his personal style of politics, his age, perhaps, or America's precarious position and, and his political stance towards that. And so for whatever reason, he has not been anywhere near as polemic or media friendly, for lack of a better word, than Donald Trump. And so a lot of, I, I wouldn't be sure that it would be Biden standing for re-election. It may very well not be. Um, but even if it isn't, I think voters might um, suddenly have that um, hesitance of saying, well, you know, the last four years have been unremarkable, COVID recovery, most of it, uh, United States falling behind in a lot of different metrics and standing around the world. And here comes this familiar known devil, if you will. We know what we're in for, at least with him.
1: Publicly, Joe Biden has said that he's not going to run for a second term. He's said that he he somewhat agrees of the idea that he is a bit too old to go for a second term as president. So there's every chance that Donald Trump, if he were running, would run against somebody else. Joe Biden has also fairly deliberately kept a lower profile than Donald Trump. Even in this case, uh, Joe Biden has repeatedly denied that he had any knowledge or involvement of the investigation. He's said that he, you know, he's repeatedly said that this is an FBI matter and I'm going to let the FBI uh, do its thing and I'm not going to get involved or oversee what's happening here. You know, I'm the president, I've got other things to do here than go after rivals. As for the other people part, there's one other factor to mention, which is, of course, that if Trump runs again for president, he won't automatically get the nomination. He'll have to go, of course, through the primary system in the Republican Party. There are other Republican politicians who would love to have a chance at becoming the president. If all these legal troubles keep spilling over, if they lead into something, there's every possibility that they might be able to spin this round against him. Two years is a long time in politics. Anything can happen.
0: Indeed, I think that's definitely something to watch out for. Although if I'm honest with you, and perhaps I haven't been following us as, as closely as others, but I can't think of another Republican contender that that could match Donald Trump's um, stature, or at least his, his likability and, and how known he is across the board. Now that may be a good thing if they want a fresh start um, although I've seen a lot of the behavior in the last uh, two years from the Republican party has actually been sort of to double down on Trump. I mean, you've, you've just mentioned, um, this, this televised, uh, uh, point or address made by a Republican Senator. Um, I would imagine he's not the only one in the Republican party that, uh, seems to stand behind Trump against all the odds. And I'm not sure why that is, um, there could be many explanations. I'd, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts. But I think really that the trial is, is the main thing that, that would definitely put uh, seal uh, Donald Trump's uh, chances of, of taking the next election.
1: Not just the politicians as well. Uh, this year is the mid, has the midterms in the United States. Up for election is a third of the Senate, the entire House of Representatives and many state seats. and Well, the nominations, the uh, primaries are already done for a lot of these seats. And in a great many of them, Donald Trump's people or his candidate were the nominees. That's not to say that they're going to necessarily be the ones who hold that state office, but at least a couple of them will. So there's clearly some groundswell, some support out there for him and his ideas.
0: Let's go back to this trial for for a second because I think a lot hinges on this. Um, I mean we've established that it's by by no means um certain that that if Trump stands for the next election, he will lose quite far from it. So really a lot hinges on on this this trial that um or hypothetically this trial, right George because it, it may not even go to trial. and let's establish the camps here because, one of the things and I think you've alluded to this briefly, but an easy defense that Trump's legal team might have in, in the case of a trial, is to, and the, and the legal strategy accompanying this would be to prolong the trial long enough as these things tend to drag on, um, you know, until the election swing around and then he's president and he might have immunity. But an easy defense that they that his legal team might have as well, this is more, uh, this is an example of Democrat politicking. And despite uh, Joe Biden's comments, uh, this is clearly a political persecution, falling under human rights legislation somewhere, of wanting to get rid of the leader of the Republican Party, um, and there might be some legal shenanigans there that they could pull off in, in in trying to establish that that easy legal defense. And then the other thing I wanted to also run by you is whether you think that if Donald Trump still commands allies, within state uh, legislatures and, and institutions, or the De- Department of Justice, for example, and others, uh, such as the FBI, the C- and CIA, whoever might be involved in this trial, uh, whether he'll have sort of toadies in there, sort of political stooges, um, who might be working against the national government effectively in obfuscating uh, the legal case as much as possible and dragging it on as much as possible.
1: I mean, he's clearly very intent on... Uh, if not dragging them, certainly fighting them. Uh, Rolling Stone was reporting, and I have it in front of me, the fact that Donald Trump repeatedly asked his, li- his lawyers to, quote, get my documents back, which is <laughs> an extremely extraordinary uh, request to make in the context that he's in. Uh, he also filed, uh, you know, basically a, you know a rebuke of the of the search to a federal judge. The wrong federal judge, uh, not the one that actually was involved in the case, but you can still tell the intent is there in saying, hey, we don't we don't support this, we we don't want any of the no, this isn't the uh, you know right and fair or whatever. We're gonna fight this, we're gonna fight this with every Else that we have. Whether it will work or not is a different question.
0: The government's, uh, you know, the Joe Biden's administration is in a difficult place in a sense because they've got the big fish in the net now, so to speak. But he commands millions of supporters at home, um, you know, who comprise the, the main political opposition. And so pretty much anything they do could very easily be misconstrued as um, essentially crossing the lines and politically interfering with the opposing party which of course is is contrary to, to basic democratic norms uh, and so the republicans who are who are not strangers to throwing around smears you know they're going to use every card in the book because now it, in a way it's not, no longer just trump's in trouble but this might have actually rallied the, the Republican base and the Republican senior leadership towards thinking: okay, if we win this case publicly, or if we delay and obfuscate it long enough that the government is seen to fail, um, you know, then this could really showcase us as a strong, powerful, resilient, no holds bar, we don't care about the rules kind of a, a strongman position that that seems to work in favour of Trump politically
1: and I don't see anything that, to disagree with in all of that.
0: You're just correct. It's really a coin flip in a sense. I, I don't know how this will develop. It's, um, of course, the, the world's eyes, not just the United States' eyes are on this. One thing that I do worry about, and this is mirrored uh, in an article that I've read that which came out recently in The Atlantic by Jonathan Roth. And it um based summarizing it very quickly for for listeners today. Uh, it's worried about the Republican Party taking cues from Victor Orban's successes in, in Hungary and comparing the, the decline of U.S. institutions and democracy, essentially, uh, because of uh, what Trump has done um, while uh, president. But also, if this trial was to fail, um, then this would have an, a deteriorating effect as well and bringing the United States closer in line to what Hungary is, this kind of illiberal democracy where the rules are no longer um sort of what what holds the whole ship together and i have to say i I think i agree with with the author here and also very worried that you know we've descended to a stage where even uh, you know one could even consider this happening a former president holding top state, state secrets and potentially being held to court for them but also being very unsure about whether that trial would even go ahead or let alone succeed because of the, the enormity of the weight that Donald Trump has. I mean, I think that speaks to um, the, the low status that the, the rule of law has in the United States currently in the hearts and minds of the people. And also if the trial was to go ahead and not succeed for any reason or delayed long enough, or lo and behold, if Donald Trump was to win the next election, you know, what does that, what does that mean? for uh, democracy as we know it
1: all of it put together i think does show a very damning picture at the moment of how the u.s you know legal and political system has been going you know, the fact that someone pretty openly destructive and narcissistic about about the whole thing about the whole politics and what it means Really, just shows that a lot of people just don't believe in the rules anymore. If you're willing to go, yeah, this guy is clearly a maniac who doesn't care about anything except himself. But you know, he's promising to change things. I'll I'll support this, and then also support him through his many, many legal problems. You know, both during and after the presidency. Then, what does that say about the system itself? That so many millions. Are willing to discard it in favor of someone like Mr. Trump. It's, it seems pretty clear that something is broken and it desperately needs a fix. It does. At the very least.
0: I agree with you. I mean, and do you know who agrees with you too? Freedom House, a seminal institution which publishes ranking on the, the freedom of countries around the world. And the United States in, in the last, uh, during the four years of Donald Trump's presidency, went from free to partly free that's how Jonathan Roth's article ends. And um, that is a damning verdict. And it agrees with what you're saying. And, uh, you know, whether it's not about whether we support or not support Donald Trump, uh, much less try to convince listeners here today. And and in fact, I have avoided the subject of Donald Trump in my cynic and in cynical talk uh, as much as possible, partly because there's just so much to talk about uh, and of how important a president is and how difficult it is to to do the autobiographical uh, sort of narrative, but also because it's it's there, he's a very polemic figure um, and it's easy to rile up or offend or his supporters or detractors, uh, which is really going against the spirit of what we're trying to achieve here, which is an informative take. But it seems like Donald Trump is one of these impossible subjects that uh, you can't approach it uh, e- even from a rational standpoint. Uh, because it seems everything he does and says is is against reason in some form and so it's difficult to speak about but in this instance I think it's the same thing all over again it's um, you know it's it's never clear cut it's never a case of you committed a felony or high treason even uh, against the espionage act okay there's consequences for that uh, you know you go you, you face the punishment and it's beyond politics but it seems that Donald Trump has one of the things that he's accomplished as president and not just him, but the Republican party and, and even the Democrat party, the American political country, I think one of thing from an outside perspective from, from a British perspective, looking outwards, it seems that what's really the only, the only body that's really lost here is the, as I said, the, the rule of law and things that used to be outside the boundary of politics. It, it's all included now. Everything is up for grabs. Everything is debatable. Everything is a point to be scored, and there's, there's no more innocent bystander anymore. And, and it's worrying.
1: Neutrality doesn't exist in a two-party system. And the US has been a two-party system for a long time now. But what happens when one party goes nuts? That's what we've been seeing over the past couple of years, arguably both parties. And the results of it, well, it's a developing story. We don't know whether he's going to be charged with you know, any crimes relating to the documents or if, or even if he'll permanently not get them back. But I, for one, will be watching the story.
0: I mean, I doubt he hasn't taken photocopies of them or keeps them in a PDF in an unsecured pen drive somewhere, wow. um, perhaps in his kitchen beside the toaster. I mean, I, I don't think Donald Trump strikes me as the most tech-savvy of individuals. Uh, and, and really, that opens a whole litany of other questions. But... Um, But I agree with you. Everything has become political, um, and that is worrying alone in and of itself. And I think there's no way to know what's going to happen with this trial. But I do think one thing's for certain. um, Donald Trump has created this before and after split. Whether or not he's thrown into jail or becomes president um, once again, I do think there's a before and after in the way politics is conducted in the United States And unfortunately, um, you know, also to be fair and and give criticism where it's due, I don't think the the Democratic Party was able to or willing to or whatever you'd like to to reverse that. Uh, We I think a lot of us on let's say that that felt uh, that Donald Trump wasn't the right choice. Felt that perhaps with a new fresh start coming in the democrat party that there could be a reversal of many of 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 what we saw as a serious offenses against uh, democracy and but it hasn't come about and i think it may never come about now and this is this is the new america now
1: i've been worried for a little while but i, I almost stopped worrying and just kind of sighed with a well i guess this is what's happening now uh, in fact during one of the other cases that threaten Donald Trump, which is the uh, January 6th investigations. There was a day a few months ago from time of recording when the Congress held hearings about the, you know, about the events. Witnesses came forth and they testified directly against multiple members of Congress themselves who very, very visibly publicly supported the the storming, the coup attempt, and in one or two cases were even calling for blood on the day. And then after the hearings, they all went, well, thank you very much for your time, and then they went right back to session, right back to voting on laws, including the individuals who had been directly listed and indicted, no, testified against in the hearings. And at that point, you kind of think, okay, so at five o'clock, we hear about how the guy who sits next to me in Congress is a traitor to the country and wants to overthrow, wants to overthrow this very government. But anyway, at six o'clock, he's going to vote on a law. At that point, you're kind of, you almost <laughs> kind of give up at that point. A, like, oh, a, sign,
0: right. a sign of the times, I would say. Yeah. And um, Again, that has not been reversed uh, as far as I can tell, and I don't think it will be before the next general election. Um, and oh, so not this sure is even that will fix anything and in fact i, I think i think the rift goes beyond that and uh, beyond politicians but it's the polarization that events like the one we're discussing today that these uh, the mar lago secret documents um and the amount of furor that has supporting donald trump even without being aware of the details in most cases um just signals how how polarized the united states has become as a country where you know it's, it's tribal in nature you're not you know, this larger than life vision of the the party, Um, and I've seen this before, many of us have seen this before, many of us who grew up outside of the United States, you know, in my case, in Latin America, uh, growing up with populist democracies, uh, which were really a single word away from dictatorships, really. Um, And of course, uh, we've mentioned Hungary today, but I think the United States might also mirror a lot of the behaviours that we see in countries like Venezuela, Brazil, Chile, Argentina, of the strongman sort of president that's above, well and beyond the rules set out for everybody else. And of course, the stooges and lackeys in Congress that, as you say, at five o'clock discuss treason and at six o'clock school lunches or whatever it is. Um, This kind of shenanigans is exactly how it's done. The descent from democracy into something far worse.
1: It's, like, it's the cycle of empires, but some parts of the cycle are less
0: fun than others. And with that, George, unless you have anything else to add, I think it's a good time to wrap up today's uh, great episode. Sadly, there's not enough time to to cover the, the complexities of of what these trials uh, imply, but... Uh, that
1: would be a 10-hour episode.
0: It would be a 10-hour episode. But as I said, I think we did a good job in explaining uh, some of the complexity sets around... Uh, what we're going through now and so without further ado this has been your co-host Thomas Mercato signing off
1: and I have been George Shaft goodbye
0: that wraps up this week's Cynical Talk episode if you've enjoyed this episode we'd really appreciate it if you could share this with your family and friends if you haven't let us know why on our website at www.misynic.com or over at Facebook LinkedIn, YouTube and more you can find us over at Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is your co-host, Thomas Boncasso, and I hope you'll be joining us next week for our next episode of Cynical Talk. Until then, take care, stay safe, and stay cynical.